No, it's worth thinking about, isn't it? What sort of man could ruffle the feathers of the pro-creator of Rome? Caesar's ambassador, Caesar's authority, Caesar's ruler over the Jews. What sort of man could... Not just ruffle the feathers, that's way too light, isn't it? Who could actually cower the man of authority from Rome, who could get under his skin and cause him to sweat. What sort of man could do this? No one could stand against him, but Jesus did it. And he did it with very, very few words. He just did it because he was. You know, history tells us that Pilate repeatedly came very close to causing all-out insurrection, basically guerrilla warfare or warfare with the Jews. He came close to it time after time due to his insensitivity to the Jews and to their Jewish customs. And it's recorded by Jewish historians um, Josephus and Filio, And they basically tell us that Pilate was a brute. He spent some of the money that the Jews had given by tithing for the temple. (laughs) Imagine what that did to the Jews. And he built an aqueduct. He he financed the building of an aqueduct with it. And when the Jews realized that he'd stolen their money to build something of his own design, they, they... rallied together and they came forward to challenge him as a mob and so he got his soldiers and while he was speaking his soldiers in plain clothes infiltrated the crowd and at a certain time when they were yelling against Pilate he released his soldiers to beat them up to attack them and even kill them just randomly to shut down the Jews from doing what he did this was the man Filio writes that Pilate had a vindictive streak and a furious temper and was naturally inflexible, a blend of self-will and relentlessness. Do you know some people like that? (laughs) And more than that, Filio describes his corruption, his acts of insolence, his raping, his, his habit of insulting people and his cruelty and the continual murders of people, untried and uncondemned, he said, it says, was just carried on in a never-ending stream. He was an incredibly big and powerful man, and an incredibly bad man, and yet he had no accountability in Palestine, and Jesus unnerved him and cowered him. How great is Jesus Christ? How great is Jesus Christ? He knew Jesus was innocent, as we've heard. His wife and he both sensed that there would be personal repercussions that would come down upon them if they had anything to do with the death of this unique, powerful, good, and innocent man. Other men, he just had them killed at a whim. No remorse, no second thoughts, but Jesus. And you can't really blame him because he would have already heard what happened last night, Thursday night, in Gethsemane, when the troops went to get to Jesus, and they and they said, "Are you Jesus of the Jesus the Nazarene?" And Jesus says back, "I am." 
And every troop, every soldier fell straight away backwards to the ground and hit the ground with a thump. And they go and pick themselves up. And are you Jesus the Nazarene? And he says, I am. And superstitiously, they would have all said to themselves, who is this? Who is this man? And that whisper would have gotten back to Pilate even before he was brought, Jesus was brought before him. You know, we're thinking about the greatness of the God that we serve. The greatness of the God that came to earth. The greatness of the God who died so that we could be forgiven. We could be made righteous. We could be, we could be right and whole before Father God. We could have a future that goes from this life into the next, the greatness of that God. But I want you to think for a moment about the greatness of Kiwis. And there, are some, there have been some really great Kiwis. I mean this in a good and positive sense. Kiwis have a great history of heroism. Think of Sir Peter Blake. It was, it was the 5th of December, 2001, that pirates were attacking his yacht in the Amazon River, and he, and he charges out of the cabin with a, with a, a gun himself, and he, and he tells him to get off, the, off his boat, and in the melee that goes on, he's killed. But in his heart, he was going to take them on. He died a hero. Well, what about the Kiwi nurse that we've just heard about this week who, who's been captured by ISIS? And for almost six years, Louisa Akavi has been uh, captured and, and, and we haven't known her story. But she's a real hero because she knew that that could happen. And in and one of the interviews, she said, I, I believe I can make a difference. So she went to Syria to do it. That's greatness. That's a hero, a Kiwi. What about the Muslim worshipper at the Linwood Mosque just the other day who saw a moment and somehow managed to attack the guy who'd already killed seven people in that mosque, but he just didn't run away, he ran towards him, and he didn't have anything to attack him with, so it's, they, they say he picked up the FPOS machine and threw the FPOS machine at him, and that did it, and, and suddenly the attacker who's killed these people is running away, and this man didn't stop there. He ran after him, and even after he got in the car, he ran down the road chasing him. He's a hero. And what about Stephen Askin, um, the pastor, Paul Askin, who was the pastor at Kaiapoi's son, who died a couple of years ago fighting the fires on the Port Hills, and he was ex-SAS, and uh, Willie Apiata, who is the ex-SAS person that most Kiwis know the most amount, uh, about because he was decorated, when Willie was talking to the All Blacks before one of their games, he put a photo of Stephen up while Stephen was still alive, and he said, this man is my hero. He said, this is the guy to have with you in a firefight, Stephen Askin. He said, he's, he's not just alongside you, you're running to keep up because he's charging whoever's out there and he's over the ridge ahead of you and you've got to run to keep up with him. Stephen was a real hero. What about Tony McLean? Do you remember 2008 and the Manga Tipoto tragedy where the river rose and the kids were, were um, trapped and they had to get into the water and swim out and there was one boy there who, who uh, couldn't swim and, and, and uh, Tony tried to um, rescue him by tying him to himself but unfortunately, and they entered into the water but unfortunately they both drowned. But Tony died a hero. There's been some amazing Kiwis who've done heroic, great things. But when we think of 
this day, Good Friday, and what Jesus did. There's nothing that any other human being has ever done that comes close to the heroism of Jesus. Starting in Gethsemane. You know, we're told that um, no one stood with him in Gethsemane. And while Jesus prayed, everyone else slept. We're told there was such anguish upon him because he's, he's God as well as human. He's God. And so he knows the future. It's, it's right there in his mind of what's going to cost him, what's going to happen. And it says drops of blood came out of the pores of his forehead as he's praying. And it's a very rare occurrence from someone under extreme, extreme, extreme stress. And here he was at the needle point of his mission. The reason he'd come to earth and been, been born through a, a normal birth canal experience as, as God, and yet being born as a human being that way 33 years earlier, his mission was now. But you know, in God, the Son of God, Jesus coming to earth, he literally became human. The, the hymn writers, um, as they grappled with, with the divinity and the humanity of God, they, they said he was fully God and fully man. And, and, and yet Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he never lost his godness, but he put off. And in Philippians 2, there are seven puttings off. He took off his power. He took off all the attributes of God from himself to live this life and to face from Gethsemane, Gethsemane forward, fully, fully human. Because yeah. you see, if God went to Gethsemane, if Jesus went to Gethsemane as God, he, he wasn't, let me, let me put it this way, he, he wasn't Superman, one inch thick of skin with steel underneath. He wasn't like a chocolate-coated ice cream with a thin layer of humanity chocolate on the outside, but underneath, impervious, impenetrable, powerful God. No, he put off all of that and faced the cross. Totally, totally human. You see, if Jesus had gone to the cross and cheated... It would have been null and void. What happened to humanity happened through human beings. The sacrifice that had to be paid had to be a perfect human being paying for that. The whole exercise could have been made redundant if he cheated. On Friday, today, he was spiked to a wooden torture apparatus known to be the cruelest and longest and slowest painful death devised by sick humanity. And for six hours, he would hang between the earth and sky till finally death would come. And the physical agony of, the, of an execution like that would have been a 10 plus, and yet it's still nothing to the spiritual agony of the punishment as all of the sins of billions and billions of people, everybody who would ever live on this earth, every single person's sin, the selfishness, the vile actions, the hatred, the unforgiveness, the maliciousness, the spite, the envy, the greed, people's outright evil were all tipped onto Jesus. 
and his being, his very being was soaked in it and imbibed it all into every part of him. It was infused into him. And then the appropriate punishment for every single sin was administered to Jesus. There was the sin and the just punishment of dictators who have done such calamitous things across, our, across history and across even our, life, uh, our lifetimes, right through to the simple Kiwi Christchurchians like us, our sin being included. Till finally, it was over. And not the torture nor the task took his life. He lived through the lot of it. He was still alive. But when the task was completed and redemption could happen, he cried out with his own voice, it is finished. And Jesus voluntarily gave up his own life, placing his death into the hands of his father, the one called Yahweh. And all of this was the master plan. Satan never saw it coming. He actually thought he'd just won. But the worst Satan could do just played into the hands of the real ruler of the world, yeah. our Father God. And mankind had no idea that there was any way out of Adam's sin. No lawyer, no, no lawyer ever thought up such a plan that it could be done. No one was smart enough but our God. And the disciples didn't realize what would happen. Those, those days, those hours and then days were absolute turmoil for them. Till Jesus resurrected and, they ca and he came and he actually unpacked the Old Testament. And he explained by going through all the scriptures in the Old Testament what it had actually all been about and what had been accomplished on the cross and then to the resurrection. And he would have started with Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that says, And I will put enmity between uh, you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he, meaning Jesus, will crush your head, Satan, and you will but strike him on the heel. <laughs> See, right at the very beginning, at the very point Adam and Eve sinned, it was prophesied yeah. Jesus would win. That's the greatness of the God that we are worshiping this morning. And then slowly over the next 300 years, that's about all it took. The then known world radically transformed and changed. As Christianity, one person by another person by another person took over. What a great God we serve. What a great outcome in history. What a great thing that he's changed and broken into our lives. And what a great thing that he hasn't stopped. And he's going to keep doing that in person after person after person. So Anne's going to come and, and pray for the elements now. But as we move into this time of, um, of communion, I, I want us just to take a moment to consider our own and need of, of receiving God's forgiveness. We are already forgiven. Thank you, Anne. We are already forgiven. Uh, but we need to receive that forgiveness in, in humility and humbleness. And the Bible says just take a pause whenever we come to communion and examine our lives. Um, but I want us to also realize 
we are not just forgiven sinners. Because of Jesus, we've been made righteous. We've been made on the right side of the ledger. We've been made with no blemish as God looks at us. And so make sure that as you come, you're receiving, but you're just rejoicing in what Christ has done. And I guess as, as before you come, I'd like you also just to be thinking about what Anne has said and what, what I've shared and, and the two folk who were giving testimony have shared also. And just celebrate. The world now calls this day, or much of the Western world is forgotten. They love the holiday, but they think it's about chocolate. Mm. But they've forgotten that this day that is could so easily be called Bad Friday. Mm. And we can think of reasons why, gosh, it's, it is so sad that God had to die in this way for us. But it's also Victory Friday. Yeah. And that's why it's been given around the world the name Good Friday. And yeah. so as you come to communion, I'd like you to, to think about your own condition and, and putting anything right that you need to with the Lord. But let's just celebrate that that he has done such a great thing. Yeah. Anne, would you like to pray? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, how much we love you. How much we love you on this, your special day. The day when you said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember you, Lord. We remember you, Lord. You are our reason for living. Yeah. You, gave all, you gave all that you could to give us a reason to live. And we're so very grateful. We're so very grateful. The great atonement that you made, making amends for the sins of this horrible world. What a huge, wonderful, wonderful thing. You substituted for the, the blood of animals which had was satisfied the Lord God before that, but you came and laid aside your glory and stepped into this world as a human and paid the price for us. What a glorious victory. What a glorious victory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your blood which cleanses us from all of our sins. Thank you for the bread which brings wholeness and healing. Thank you for everything you did. Thank you for all you continue to do. We're so very, very grateful. Help us each one, Lord, to appropriate your sacrifice exactly where we're at right now and to take the next step into godliness, the next step into righteousness, for you've purchased it all. You've done it all. You have won the victor's crown. Yeah. You've done all that you did to give us a reason to live. Bless you, our God. Bless you, Jesus Christ, our Savior. To you be the glory. Forever and forever. So once you've spent some time just in personal prayer,